Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee, our guest today, Chip Frederick. Chip appears on the guest line presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, please give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Chip. Chip Frederick joins me. We're talking Vanderbilt baseball. Chip, thanks for being here today. Long weekend for the Commodores in losing all three games against Tennessee. And then, of course, the weekend before, Vanderbilt loses two out of three against South Carolina. And honestly, the way Tennessee came in and just dominated the series was eye-opening. Yeah, it was, Chris. Um, you know, a lot's gone on this week and in the last two weeks as we uh, look at this baseball team and where they've been. And it's not uh, a normal thing to look up, and they've lost five out of six of the SEC. And, and uh, that's, I know that's troubling for some people. So I'm sure the uh, getting that win last night against Austin P was good. A good thing to get back out there as quickly as they did. I know that um, when I saw the rain was in the forecast, I was like, I'm sure Tim Corbin's going to try to do everything that he can to get that game in. But yeah, just uh, some unusual times here. The the SEC, when you look at the standings, they're a little topsy turvy. You've got some haves and have nots uh, at this point in the season. I don't think I've ever seen the standings look like they have uh, with just being so top heavy, both on both sides with Arkansas and Tennessee and you know, Tennessee and Georgia kind of in the East and Arkansas handling things in the West. And then everybody else, this looks kind of mediocre right now with a bunch of losses and, and not as many wins. So on the Vanderbilt side, I think it's just something that um, it was eye opening uh, this past weekend. It wasn't, fun it wasn't something that uh, I think some fans had to come to some acceptance that their neighbors to the east have a pretty good baseball team and as we talked about last week I I said they were the best team in the country last week on that podcast and and nothing changed obviously to to change my mind they're 9-0 right now and I think they'll be 12-0 next weekend um, after they take care of uh, Missouri at home so yeah, just some uh, things in the sport that uh, don't always go your way, and you've got to right the ship, and, and I'm sure those guys, the, the coaching staff, is trying to do that right now, and, and it becomes a little more mental than it is sometimes physical when you when you lose uh, and you're not used to doing it. So we'll just have to see how things go, but uh, definitely not a fun weekend if you were on the home side. That's one of the best and most balanced teams I've ever seen come to Vanderbilt. Yeah, they just do everything so well, um, as as well as they hit the ball. And they're so aggressive early in the count, their hitters, uh, the pitching staff, just that ridiculous stat, Chris, that they've walked, I think, eight eight batters in, in nine conference games. That's, That's unheard crazy. of. Hey, and, and let, me, let me just add that. I was sitting next to the, um, oh, good grief, the track man guy. And I'm looking at where those pitches are coming in the zone on, on Dolander or Dolander, I guess they call him. I keep calling him Dolander, but I think it's Dolander. I've never seen a kid hit the edge of the black like he did, just over and over and over. Yeah, and and they were highly motivated. Uh, they've got some mid-state kids who, who especially in the pitching side that you we're talking about, and um, you know, maybe had some 
points to prove if they were not recruited by this staff or just in the fact that they're coming home. But you look at that roster, I think eight, nine, ten guys from the mid-state, um, you know, they, they, they had a point to prove and, and just fill the strike zone up with pitches like you mentioned off the black. The black. They challenged batters, weren't afraid to back down, um, threw the right pitches, were very good in their, in their cadence and their pace. Uh, allow their infielders to stay in the game. So just everything, I, I really can't uh, identify a weakness right there in that team. Now, that's not saying that they're they're going to be that way. They'll, they'll probably have a bump in the road or two. But uh, as all things set, you know, and, and Tim Corbin mentioned this pretty much in his press conference. He didn't pretty much mention it. He said it that, you know, on April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, Tennessee was a much better baseball team in all phases of the game than, than Vanderbilt was. And uh, it's just, what do you do from here? How do, how do you improve your team? Tennessee's in the rearview mirror now, and you can't worry about that, much to the joy of their fan base that really got a kick out of the weekend. And, you know, they've been waiting on this series for quite a while. But um, last weekend, Tennessee was just better in all phases of the game. Before we get into Vandy, let, let's hit something that I've gotten – I've seen a good bit of talk on. Uh, you had a couple of mid-state kids and Burns and Beam that that beat them and and were really good at it. Um, I I don't know the story on Beam. I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to find out. I just haven't had the time. Burns was a premier prospect. I think a lot of people didn't think he'd go to school because he had a chance to take a good bit of money. But he but he came to Tennessee, and I think. From what I hear, his family's Tennessee fans, and it's probably where he was going to go anyway. But they're starting to be a concern, and I'm, I'm sure if I'm hearing it, you are too, that that's the place to be right now, Tennessee, for baseball. That's been Vanderbilt's title in this state for a while. Um, I, I don't know if that's fair or not, but but I've heard it. Um, you look at the way the two dugouts approach things, and I'm not saying one's better, but you see a dugout that you, know, you you just watch the national anthem, and that tells you everything. Um, you 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 hear their dugout, you see things, you see the the daddy hats, the coats, all that stuff. And again, I'm not I'm not standing on a side of things. However, you want to work one of your program and whatever works for you is best. But they're starting to get some noise about. You know, how does that appeal to 18, 19-year-old kids? And a, a lot of them would rather <laughs> rather choose the one in the, the visitor's dugout than the home dugout, according to what you hear. Again, that, that's going to vary by individual. They're not exactly hurting and recruiting. But that is starting to get a little bit of traction in terms of how you hear people talk about the programs and recruiting to those programs. Well, I've I've got two thoughts on that, and I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to definitely bring it up uh, in the course of this conversation. Just give a little history lesson as what's happened maybe over the last 20 years, I guess, in the Corbin era, maybe not that early into his tenure. But when Vanderbilt started achieving success, really, really the David Price years forward, Tim Corbin could go into any high school pretty much east of Memphis in the state and pick whoever he want, wanted to. Um, Middle Tennessee, definitely. West Tennessee, with the exception of Memphis, because I still have the theory that in talking to some people down there, 
Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Arkansas kind of have their flag staked in Memphis. Um, you got a lot of guys who, if you're in the baseball arena down there, your your dads and either played JUCO, they played at Ole Miss, they played at State, they, they had ties with junior colleges around there. And there have been some Memphis guys. Colwick, I'm not including, although he's a little north of Memphis, uh, but is to be the exception. But pretty much from Memphis East, Corbin and his staff has have had their way. They could go into Farragut High School, very rich baseball tradition school in Knoxville, pluck guys out of there uh, at will. And, and then it just kind of just fell into place where Vanderbilt was the program in this state. So just to give everybody, that's the way it's kind of been, and it's always been. And things have changed here recently, and the, and the change happened with Tony Vitello. They had a revolving door over there uh, with coaches that obviously helped the staff in, in doing what they've been doing and in, in pillaging their high schools as far as getting players. And it just, I'm sure it just annoyed UT staff all they could get at. And Tony Vitello, and I've said this to many people this weekend, Tony Vitello is the antithesis of Tim Corbin. And in, 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 in he's probably, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, good guy, don't know him. But if you look at the programs, and, and it's probably a smart strategy for him, if you really look at it from a business sense. He's young, younger acting. Tim Corbin is you know, a few years older than me in his upper 50s, almost 60 years old. You have one school in Vanderbilt that has um, almost uh, a, a very structured, some would call it almost military approach to the way things are done. Vitello looks like it looks like first of all he's a player, uh, and he'd be a, 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 almost one of the guys. Tim Corbin is one of the Vanderbilt is 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 to be seen as a father figure on purpose. Um, you have bat flipping and and the fur coat and the daddy hat and all those things and the annex from the dugout, that would never happen at in the Vanderbilt dugout. I've seen one bat flip in my life at Vanderbilt when they beat Louisville. You're yeah, probably there. Jason Esposito. Right, and that's about it. <laughs> right. Uh, I would say that other differences. Tony Vitello probably right now knows everything about NIL. I'm sure he's taking advantage of NIL or investigating NIL. And on the Vanderbilt side, they've been slow, not just the baseball program. You and I have talked about it. It's just been, it's been here a year, and I feel like that the program is just a step. The programs, plural, are a step behind. I think you had one of the biggest deals with a quarterback. I, I, I think I do. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and so, uh, I, you know, it, almost in a sense that they're just – there's some separation there, and I think someone put on your board, or maybe you did, I'm not sure, that, you know, you wonder if kids these days are listening to more of that, the TikTok crowd, the social media crowd, that it's not, uh, that it's a little cooler uh, for some, not everybody, but it's to go to UT now. It was mentioned a couple times that, you know, they have the, the having fun and to be themselves, and I'm sure in the antithesis part of it, too, that... Tony Vitello in his pitch to some of these guys that are going up against Vanderbilt is, do you, do you really want to work that hard in the classroom? You know, and, and that's probably used to Vanderbilt a lot. But, uh, you know, Vanderbilt's a tough school. I went there. I, I played there. It's a tough environment. And so in this day and age of today's kid, today's 18 to 22-year-old kid, that probably has some merit to some of these kids. 
So yeah. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of differences between there, and some of it's probably intentional. If they got a clone of Tim Corbin, uh, I don't think that would probably do them that much that good. But they're not, and those are the market differences between the two. Does that mean that Vanderbilt's in trouble and that they're not going to get their share of kids? No, because Vanderbilt recruits more nationally than Tennessee does. But I will say the tide has turned a little bit here in the mid-state, and there's going to have to be a little harder work to be done in the state of Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee got a big recruit out of Briarcrest. He's a junior. He's committed, a big pitcher. So that's my point. I, I think that's, that is is a fact. It's, it's here to stay until Vitello perhaps goes somewhere else if he does, but he's getting everything he wants. They, I saw where they're, they've earmarked $55 million for Lindsey Nelson Stadium uh, as part of their project for the budget next year. That's a lot of money, Chris, for a baseball facility, $55 million. You can do a whole lot. And they're going to pay him, and they're going to do the facility the way they want to and add on to that stadium. So they're, they're getting while the getting is good, and uh, that's the main thing I just said. The, the, there's a definite difference there, and my, my biggest point is, is I think it's on purpose. Uh, will it work long-term? Long I don't know. But those programs couldn't be any more different, and that program just came in and swept you over the weekend. So what are you going to do about it in the future? Do you think, and I'm not saying that it should or shouldn't, I, I, you've got to be who you are and things flow from there. But, and, and knowing Tim, I mean, goodness, he wants to win more than any human being alive. I just wonder where that meets. So, do they change or tweak anything they do in recruiting or, or presentation of the program? And again, I'm not, I'm not even saying they should. I'm not going to go off one sweep on one weekend um, you know, and, and say, hey, throw it all away when they won a national title, uh, you know, two times ago and were runner-ups last year. So it's not like, you know, the, the notion that the program is broken, uh, that, that is not what I'm saying. But we both saw the same thing. We both hear the same things. And I'm just wondering what that looks like going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you really, you have to reanalyze how you're probably recruiting in-state. Um, you know, a lot of those guys in the past weren't even going to Tennessee. The ones that Vanderbilt was passing on um, were not even considering Tennessee. They were going the JUCO route or they're going to middle or they're going to other schools outside the state. And now that's not the case. So I just think that, um, and I am too, it's not a panic thing. It's a recognition thing to me. It's a, you know, okay, Tennessee, tip your hat. You're winning games. You're 28 and one. You're undefeated in the conference. You got all these accolades. You're leading the country in categories, you know, almost a dozen, half a dozen categories, and definitely leading the conference in almost every offensive category. But if you're, I'm sure there have been some discussions about that as far as the approach. You just can't take it for granted. Not saying that the staff has. It's just the the schematics have changed quite a bit, and you have to recognize it. And how are you going to now? Uh, recruit those kids. It's different. I mean, you look at Kevin Stallings and I know Kevin Stallings was of the Gene Cady mode, sort of, uh, you know, where he played his alma mater and the kind of the gruff personality. And you wonder if just the game passed him by eventually that today's kid is a relatable. I think Tim Corbin and his staff will, will always be relatable because of that father figure type situation that he has with his players and what he brings to the table but it's just you're going to have to identify the right kids to come in. Vanderbilt's not for everybody. Vanderbilt has uh, – there have been some kids who 
have left that program after their junior year and were drafted. And they weren't drafted that high and they left. And I've had some conversations with some of those kids and because um, I know them personally. And the question is, and the question that came up with a few of them is, you know, I loved playing for this program and the coaches, but it is very structured compared to others. And for some kids, it, you know, three years becomes enough and they want to move on and make money. And where the NIL comes, the fact is, is that's one thing I think they need to tweak is, I mean, do you not think, Chris, if this was a less than a year into it, let's say we were two or three years into it and the situation with Kumar Rocker came about and he didn't get drafted to where he wanted to, or didn't get the money. He got drafted where he wanted to probably maybe he wanted a little better, but the money didn't work out and the Mets basically gave him a Coke bottle to say, sign, we'll give you, you know, sign your name for free in a perfect world at another program. I think the NI, somebody, they could have generated some endorsements for Kumar Rocker that said, you know what? I think I'm gonna come back to Vanderbilt again. And that's where I think if there's one adjustment they're going to have to make, not only in state, number one, and just analyzing things, but number two, there are kids on that team who are great bunch of kids and they're marketable. And if this is going to be the reality of this world we're in now of guys getting million dollar plus deals on NIL, there's enough money in this town and there's enough businesses in this town in connection with the baseball program that I think it's going to have to be a reality. They're going to have to meet the needs of these kids because it's not going anywhere from what I see uh, no. any time in the future. Oh, I got a lot of thoughts on that. Um, Let's hear it. First one, I think the coaches are having to tote their own freight on a lot of this. I, I will not swear by it, but they got their hands full alone with just running their programs. Um, and God knows Clark Lee does on the football side with the mess he got left. The school should have had a plan and leadership. I mean, other schools hit the ground running literally day one with this with NIL. We still have no idea what Vanderbilt has planned, if it if it has anything planned. And and that's a gross failure on the part of the school. I mean, it's just it's crazy. And this is where and there's another topic here after this that's completely separate, but this is where just being behind and behind and behind, um, you know, we've talked about the facilities. We still don't know when any of that's coming out. I mean, they're getting caught up to 20 years ago with facilities, and it's not even public yet. Um, in the meantime, and I just thought this was – I mean, I, I guess it's easy fodder. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take a cheap shot here. But I just thought it was so telling. The day Tennessee gets the $8 million quarterback deal, they're announcing they're changing the logo. And, and it just tells you where they are and how far behind the times that program is. Um, you know, when they should be getting the NIL, they're just now getting to facilities. And, and that, they should have had ground broken on that after football season. So that, that, look, that's another show. I've talked about this before, but I just think they've, one, they've got to have leadership from the school and the athletic department to help out because they are so far behind. Um, I, I, I think Tim's good enough to figure it out no matter what, probably, but you don't want to see yourself dead and buried like they are in football facilities before you get there. Um, 
No, absolutely not. And this is their, ba- you know, this is their bell cow on the athletic department as far as national titles. And when you think of Vanderbilt on the athletic world, you go to an airport and you're wearing a Vanderbilt hat and somebody goes, you know, well, those Vandy boys, you know, I mean, it, the baseball is definitely, it's not the revenue gaining arm, but it's, it's definitely the recognizable arm. But to think about and put it in perspective of, of just how fast moving this is, Chris, it was announced on, I think it was Saturday night, Fred Hall, who's, I don't know if he's still a member of the Board of Trust. He's a, I know he has been on the Board of Trust. He's from Oklahoma, huge Vanderbilt alum. Uh, I've met him. He's, he does business with my brother-in-law um, on some deals. He's uh, done really well in life and, and a great gentleman. Met him out in Omaha. Uh, he gave he and his family gave a five and a half million dollar gift and it was announced at the baseball game for the baseball facilities. It was earmarked for the Vandy United campaign and they said it was earmarked for baseball for future facility uh, upgrades. Okay, the, Hawkins Field cost seven million dollars to build. That's years crazy. Ago. So this man gave five, and I know the cost of construction has gone up, but. This gentleman gave five and a half million dollars um, the other day. He and his family, and UT announces a campaign where they're going to spend fifty-seven million on their baseball field. And baseball didn't even matter there right. two years ago, right? So what? What I don't want to have happen, and I'm not. A, I'm not a gloom and doom, skies falling person. But it's got to be. We got to keep up with the Joneses, especially in your bell cow sports. And, uh, you know, when, when they're, when schools are spending that much money and you, you get a five and a half million dollar grip, which is incredible gift. I mean, that's a, that's an amazing gift from one family, but, um, you know, you're talking about, uh, differences here in perspective, and there's always going to be differences in perspective with Vanderbilt compared to the other 13, right? I mean, there's, it's always going to be there. You can sit there and, and, and try not to admit it or whatever, it's, but it's, it's undeniable, but still you got to keep up whether it's NIL for baseball going forward facilities. Uh, you know, there are people I've run into before who have said this and you're going to think I'm crazy. You won't think I'm crazy, but some of the listeners might think I'm crazy. They sit there and they tell me, is that the right place for the baseball field? It, 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 if you really are thinking big, do you not build somewhere else on campus over near the the, the med lots and build a seven to eight thousand uh, seat stadium and maybe make that um, you know if they go softball maybe turn that into softball or whatever. But if you're thinking and you're dreaming big, and of course the the thing behind that makes it so sick is they just spent twelve million yeah. on that facility, and I don't know if that'll happen having just spent on the baseball part near the gym, the locker rooms, and all that. But Malcolm Turner, for all that he said, uh, did and and didn't do whatever. You can say this, and I told somebody this weekend. I don't know what kind of job he did. I, I really, but the dude dreamed big, and when he was saying it was going to cost eight hundred million dollars minimum to do what they needed to do on campus he probably was pretty right <laughs> i mean yeah. if you really want to compare and, and jump in the bathtub with everybody who's uh uh around the league and around the country and i'm digressing here but uh, as far as baseball but i just want us to keep up with the joneses and, and and make sure that we're on par that that can't be used against us 
because when the Tennessees of the world are, are committing to that and they're winning and, and all of a sudden everybody recognizes baseball that hadn't, as you said, in the past, um, it, it, it causes you to kind of look to the side and say, what's going on over there in the East? Yeah. And then there's the bat discussion. Uh, by, I mean, Vanderbilt's bats. Uh, they didn't hit all weekend. Some Wait, people... what bats? Are you talking about the? Are you talking about the rolled bats? <laughs> I, I honestly, that was not that was not pun intended. <laughs> that that is another discussion. We probably will not be having that one today. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I thought that's I'm, where you were going. So sorry. I was no, talking. that was that was a genuine slip of the tongue. Um, that chip they didn't hit all weekend. They didn't hit. Much of South Carolina, they didn't hit the midweek, although ball wasn't in the zone to hit it. They took walks and made that work. I've been, I've been kind of saying, hey, nothing to see here. I, I didn't think. But it didn't feel that way coming out of the weekend. No, and, and you really, at this point in the, in the year, it, it's okay when you have guys who you look at statistics, and, and this team was leading a lot of statistics um, in, in, you know, categories and you had hitters with some pretty gaudy numbers and you kind of started to say to yourself, well, you know, boy, things are riding high and they've won 18, 19 games in a row. And, but when you really look at it, how many quality teams taking a step back, taking the 30,000 foot view of that winning streak that we had, look at the look at the records chris of those teams that we played now and see what they are and and i had them here for reference and you know the wagner hawaii even michigan has slipped uh, and that was a game that we had to come back and 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 try to battle the win but hawaii over the week as of sunday hawaii's 8 and 16 wagner 4 and 21 army's 9 and 15 michigan was 14 and 13 so you had Oklahoma State was a pretty good team. I think South Carolina is not very good. They lost two out of three to Missouri this weekend. So we played, if you include Tennessee, a great team and a, and a good team in Oklahoma State. But and and call it what you want, but I, I don't know how much good pitching we saw during those times. And I think it's rearing its head. Well, Chip, so, they're 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 three and six against those three teams, and like you yeah. said, they haven't beaten anybody any good. They're they're not. They're a regional team right now. They wouldn't host right now. Um, national seed's going to be a big uphill climb at this point. Yeah, and and you just and so my point was to look at the SEC statistics because I think those matter now. And you're seeing some pretty big drop off on SEC games only. I mean, you're seeing guys hitting Bulger 172, Cass is 143, Carter Young 267, Diaz 188. So. Those are the ones that I'm paying attention to. Uh, the pitching staff has not been the problem. They pitched well enough to win this weekend a game, maybe two, if they'd caught some breaks. But they are definitely not. There's some automatic outs in league play right now throughout that lineup and some guys who who um, have just not had good years. You have to you know, Carter Young is struggling. You have the, 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 the Parker Nolan situation has been a struggle all year for him. You got some young guy, you know, Vaz is struggling in the conference. You have Bolger, who's just not had a good year overall at the plate. And and, uh, those things are the things that rear its head that make you just shake your head and go, if this team is going to to get it done later on in the year and going on a little tear, 
you know, the, the hallmark of Tim Corbin teams have been, and you know this, they get better and better as the year goes on. And, and I hope that's the case this year. Um, you know, we've got some good pitching arms, and you're going to have to ride those guys. But uh, And you just hope that it works itself out. But right now, the hitting approach, the two-strike the two discipline, I think, is putrid. I don't think it's good at all. And I don't think we attack pitches early in the count. You know, sometimes when guys are in streaks like this and they're not doing well, you might tell the guy, go up there, hack, and look at first pitch fastball and try to drive the ball somewhere. I think we got too many guys that have poor two-strike discipline and take, you know, balls right down to shoot on two strikes. I, I would love to know uh, how many times also that we don't take when we're ahead in the count and positive accounts for us, what, what we're doing with that. I don't know if there's any way to judge that. So um, that's just, a, it's just a problem. Uh, I mean, in nine SEC games, we got two guys hitting over 300, but we got four guys, Chris, hitting under 200 in SEC play. And that's just not going to win you any games in, in this league. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, m- might not beat Mizzou right now. So, you know, you just, they're just going to have to figure it out. And, 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 you know, they made some changes last night. He sat Carter Young, uh, which was surprising. He juggled the lineup. You saw a guy with, with Rob Gordon who's played. How many games has Rob Gordon played in? Five? One or two, year? maybe. I mean, yeah. he's just been a defensive replacement. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he gets a shot last night. And, and Laniv gets back in there last night. And, I know we tried Parker Nolan again last night, and I don't think it was very successful. I don't think it, he had a very good game at the plate. So just some things are going to have to work out, um, and, and you don't want to be playing musical chairs right now after nine games in the conference. There's still some time, but uh, they're just going to have to get after it and figure it out. Where does this get better on the hitting side? Hmm. Um. You know, you ju- you're just gonna have to. You're gonna have. You know, they're going on the road this weekend, and they're gonna have to get some guys some confidence and some positive at bats, um, and you know, and string it together. Because if they don't, it's not going to. This league is too good. You think, you know, two months ago, a month ago, you sit there and think, well, go to Auburn on the week of April the eighth, could be some relief. Auburn took two out of three in Baton Rouge this weekend. So there, there is no, there's going to be nobody feeling sorry for you, for you, if you're Vanderbilt. But uh, you know, I'm to answer your question. You know, maybe do what he did. You know, trying. I, I think that Calvin Hewitt has deserves a chance to be in the lineup this weekend until he proves otherwise. Uh, I like how the kid puts the ball in play. I like how he runs. He's quick, and and, and just try that. I don't think you you trade out all nine spots, of course, but uh, the kid has a knack for getting on base and he attacks the strike zone early in counts. And that's what you got to, you know, want right now. And, um, so, uh, that's looking for that potion of why you've lost five out of six in the league and trying to figure it out. That's what those guys coaching staff do. And that's what they get paid to do and figure it out. And they see them in the cages and just hope that it gets better in that sense of just a confidence thing. Cause you know, those guys know, they, they know what's going on. They know that, a Vanderbilt team hasn't struggled like this in the league in a long time. They know the last time they had you know been swept, and I'm sure they've been told that. They've got social media, um, and it's just a, it's just a confidence issue, and they've got to get it done quick. The extent to which they did not drive the ball at all, other than those two home runs, 
on Saturday and Sunday was just astonishing. I mean, I felt like Drew Beam induced 48 ground balls in that game. We foul a lot of pitches off, a lot of good pitches off, and we hit into more ground balls than any team I've seen in the Corbin yeah. era. I mean, a lot of ground balls, um, and uh, especially on this past weekend. But, um, you know, um, it's just sometimes it's just worth trying. You know, it, on a comparative, you know, Hewitt has two RBIs and three SEC at-bats, which is the same as Bulger and 29 SEC at-bats. Bulger, Bulger's had problems driving the ball all year. Yeah. He just yeah. cannot get on top of one for anything right now, and I don't know why. Yeah, and um, but I, you know, my comment about the riding the arms, Chris. I mean, the arms, the arms were not the problem this weekend. And um, you know, you look at McIlvain. I mean, McIlvain has what a tough luck on his ERA this weekend on the two yeah. balls and the lights. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, he's stellar. So, uh, and boy, you gotta love. You gotta love the way Futrell's pitching yes. midweek. Yeah. I mean, uh, goodness gracious, he he's his, uh, and you know you wonder he, they took him out after five last night. I don't know if that was on purpose that perhaps trying something. Although I think Riley Riley deserves to still get another start. I, I think he pitched well. He 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 got himself a little bit of trouble on Sunday, but I don't know if they're ready to make that decision. But I thought it was interesting. Kind of made me think, huh? Last night, when they took him out after five, and the week before he pitched, uh, well, he threw ninety something pitches and threw a complete game against uh, what was it, Lipscomb. Um, maybe I'm reading into that something that's not there, though. Yeah, I mean that he he threw a lot of pitches in that game. I mean, I, I think in hindsight, I wonder. Well, I mean, you like to let a kid get a shutout, but that's a lot of pitches for a freshman this early in his career. Yeah, I think their pitching is really really good. They've got enough parts there to where they'll be dangerous, I think, in the postseason if they just get a little bit of hitting. Yeah, and and because uh, I mentioned the, the the pitching has been solid enough to get you victories in this league, especially on Sunday's game. I thought my my heart wanted me to tell you that you know Sunday they were going to battle back, they were just going to stay in the game and somehow win it, and you know so you lose two out of three, really good team, but you're going it was going to be kind of a uh, you know, a, a situation where it was a bad weekend and you're going to bounce back, but instead, you know, it, it, it was not the case. So pitching has been good enough. Like you just said, the hit, hitting's just got to come around. And, and I think last night was an indication to shake things up and see just where they can, where they can find themselves uh, with their approach. But I think the, I'm not a hitting coach, but I would like to see us a little more aggressive early in counts and see if that works. I'll tell you what bothers me a little bit is the calendar. They still got, what, another three, four weeks of school. That's going to be tough. They're going to be going through finals. It just concerns me that the easier part of the conference schedule, well, I shouldn't say that. They just played Tennessee. But what we thought was the easier part of the conference schedule is now in the rearview mirror. They're going to be going through that. You just do – you, do you get concerned at all that – I mean, they could go to Auburn – Easily lose two out of three at that point. They're what five and eight with Florida coming here. Uh, they got Arkansas and LSU to finish the year. I mean, this could this could take a turn in a hurry. Yeah, and you look at the league though, Craig. I mean, who would have thought Florida would be three and six, uh, a game behind Vanderbilt? Florida's Missouri having major pitching issues outside Hunter Barco. 
Right. I mean, Missouri, Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina in the East are all three and six. Those four teams, and um, that's that's normally not how the league works. And and you know, we as you mentioned, we still got Georgia to go. I mean, it, it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, but Corbin teams as a trademark, as I mentioned, do plow through things. And adversity, sometimes getting on the road and going to a place like Auburn might be good for this group um, to, to see what they got on the road. And, and um, But this just didn't start this past weekend. It was a, it was a continuation from last weekend um, that losing two out of three against a South Carolina a team that you should have beaten two out of three at least. And they didn't. They just did, the ball didn't fall for them. So, um, but it's just weird to see the league – bunch of teams with three and four losses in this league uh, or five loss, five and six losses and um, not a whole lot of balance. And, and, you know, trying to sit there and worry about catching Tennessee and do it, that's going to be pretty hard to do. This team needs to just worry about getting their conference record up, um, continue to play well midweek and, and just, you know, solve their ailments at the plate. That's the main thing. How do you think they line up Friday night in Auburn? Oh, I think uh, I, I think it could be very similar. I, I, I think that uh, Calvin Hewitt's going to start. I think he'll be in the lineup. I think that I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. The, the Davis-Diaz to short um, – uh, I'm and I'm not saying it's going to be absolutely temporarily, you know, one game deal, but I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't happen again. Uh, you know, Colwick is hurt. Don't know what the situation with him is, but um, at this point, they're just trying to find leadership and they're trying to find some guys who make contact and and stir things up. So um, I don't know what you think. I'm not saying it's going to be identical to last night, but I think Calvin Hewitt's earned his spot. I think he's going to be in the lineup. Um, shortstop, first and third, I'm not too sure about. Um, and the DH, and it's crazy that we're thinking about that. It's unusual this uh, late. I, I never thought that we'd be having this conversation. Yeah, but, um, you know, it, it's just you know, Carter's struggling. There's no, there's no doubt about it that, there's no way to put a Band-Aid on it and make you feel better. I mean, just he's not having the year in the field that he's had with seven errors. Um, you know, he had one big game in the conference, and other than that, he's, you know, 275 is a little deceiving. But um, I don't think and you can answer this maybe more than me. I don't know if that was a rest last night. Do you? I don't know. I, was, I wasn't at the ballpark last night. Um, right. And we haven't had a media thing with him. I don't think we had one this week. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I've been. I feel like I've been a little bit out of the loop since the weekend. Yeah, well, just but trying guys who've only played in four games, like you did with Gordon last night, or before the before last night, he'd only played in four games, uh, and he it was his first at bat of the season. Didn't he? it was last night? And he almost hit a grand slam. So yeah. Tim usually rewards guys who come in when they're put on the spot, and he rides those guys. Lenive, for example, from last year, he's not afraid to take a guy, and if he experiences success, he's going to put him back out there. And especially as a coach, when you've when you've been struggling, it it keeps the lower half of your roster. When I say lower half, not meaning talent necessarily, but guys who haven't been getting the shots, and and that's maybe what he's doing here. So. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some changes from this weekend compared to last. Um, and not necessarily in the mound, but as far as throwing guys out there against Auburn and seeing what happens. Anything else we didn't cover that's worth a mention today? No, just, uh, you know, um, we've got, we could have another show about all the stuff that happened last weekend, so we won't go there. But uh, that was, a lo- you know, the lights and the bats and, and all that. Um, uh, I, I but, will... let me just, that was the strangest weekend of baseball I think I've ever covered. Yeah, and there were a couple surprises to me that happened. Um, I was surprised that there, that Tennessee fans did not uh, infiltrate as much as they did. I know ticket prices were going crazy um, and, and some crazy, crazy numbers, and some UT fans paid it, I think. But I was expecting it wasn't like basketball or football where uh, there were some Tennessee fans in their section where their parents sit. But other than that, and, and there, of course, were some open rows. Of, and I think those are people who own Vanderbilt fans who own who live out of town, who just don't go to the games except some of them. Are you uh, talking about behind home plate? Behind home plate. Well, the, of course. The, yeah. Yeah. But um, so that surprised me a little bit. But no, uh, nothing really. Uh, to summarize of the weekend, and we talked a little about it, I, I just think it was a, um, not necessarily, it was probably a wake-up call for Vanderbilt fans to see what happened and how talented Tennessee uh, is, has gotten in a quick amount of time. And um, I don't think it was a wake-up call for Vanderbilt because I think they, Corbin and crew probably knew how good they were last year, and he heaped a bunch of praise on them last year when they played up in Knoxville. And so I think those guys knew what they were getting into. But, uh, you know, that that was probably a wake-up call that, for the fan base to see how quickly that's turned. And, I mean, they don't even have their best pitcher from last year, I think. Oh, he, made- he pitched yesterday. He pitched yeah. two innings against Lipscomb. So look yeah. out. So, you know, so the, the, they're just continuing to stay on a roll there. But, no, a lot, lot went on. Um last weekend and none of it was really good situation with the bat situation with the lights and losing two balls and and losing three games it it wasn't a fun weekend to be around but um you know baseball is a funny game we all know that it can change uh quickly uh, and i have every confidence in the world that those guys over there in that dugout the vanderbilt dugout on third base side will punch all the numbers that they need to and and the right buttons to get things back on track and and um it, it, it's not going to be easy in this league when you see what's happened uh, top to bottom when you're, you, you're not getting any relief going to Auburn like some people maybe thought uh, a month or two ago. What number do people need to punch if they want to buy a house in Nashville? Uh, you punch our number, 615-327-4800, and you can get in touch with me, Chris. We can talk about this crazy house market and, and um, how to adjust to it if you're a buyer or seller, and we've got 180 agents who can do that and put you with the right realtor, the right team member to be on your side, whether you're buying or selling a house. The inventory remains low in this town, in all areas. If you're trying to sell, that's a great problem to be in. Not a problem, a great thing to be in. If you're trying to buy, it's just the opposite because homes are going quickly still. So what does that mean for you uh, and your listeners? You need to have a professional on your side, not try to do it on your own. If there's ever any time that you want to do something on the cheap and think that you can do it on your own, right now is not a good time in the real estate business. You need a professional who can guide you through the obstacles and the craziness and the zaniness and the multiple offers and the contingent offers and what have you. 
And that's where Frederick and Clark, that's our company, my brother and I, Steve Frederick, uh, the owners of the company, and we've been around since the 1960 era. Vanderbilt people, Vanderbilt fans, and and, uh, we can hook you up with one of our realtors and professionals and guide you through the process. So give us a call. You can find us on the web at frederickandclark.com. All right. Thanks a bunch, Chip. We'll see you next week. All right, Chris. Hopefully better times next week. We'll go get them in the planes this weekend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.